you might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Here we are with another episode and edition of Metal Tales from the Road. We're talking about Salt Lake City. We're here with our good friend, who we now deemed the uh, Metallica Santa Claus, Chris Yurgis. How you doing, Chris? Not too bad. Yourself? Doing good. As we just said, I just got in from the road. I'm leaving again in a couple days. Life's busy and crazy. I know for you, you went to the Vegas show, Salt Lake show. You've got grad school work to do. You agreed to do this last minute because I didn't realize till I started looking that we didn't have anyone lined up for uh, Salt Lake City. So thank you for being here with us. Not a problem. To regale us yet again with some more Metallica stories. And it actually worked out pretty well because you had a pretty fun interaction with Lars at the Salt Lake show that we'll, I suppose we'll get into. Yeah, absolutely. Multiple interactions throughout the show, actually. So it was, it was pretty spectacular. Well, look, to catch everyone up to speed with Chris, so Chris is the dude who you heard, he did the Charlotte recap, that's where he lives. He came to our party last year, he brought his little mini Metallica museum, In uh, one of his hardwired experiences this year, he actually talked to the boys about the podcast, which was super amazing for us, and then in the last, in the last bit of uh, unparalleled generosity, Chris won the auction to have dinner with Torben, he's taken Ethan and I along with him, one of us will be his plus one to sit down and talk to uh the bearded wonder about what Lars himself <laughs> called uh tales of middle earth <laughs> metal metal gandalf right i had to tell my wife i'm like yeah he kind of looks like gandalf <laughs> <laughs> so all right cool well let's talk about um you know we've already done a vegas recap but yep. remind us all again are you rocking a black ticket or is this are you just going to certain shows that you can get to no, just going to certain shows I can get to. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get a black ticket. Obviously, that was you know, I was limited. I think to two hundred and fifty that they that they gave out. And right. When it came time to buy them, um, you know, I'm not a legacy guy, so uh, I was kind of at a disadvantage there. Um, well, explain what you mean by that. So that's tied into their fan club, right? So basically, yeah, if you were if you were a paying member of their fan club for two consecutive two or more consecutive years at any time through that lifespan of that club. Um, when the club went free, you got deemed as a legacy member. And basically what that gets you, there's a small discount on the Met store, and then you have like an extra hour on pre-sales. Um, it's a lot of times that the, the, the club will still reserve a, a small allotment for non-legacy or for that, you know, an hour later, um, just so some of those people still have a chance. But uh, like when it came time for uh, this tour, when it went on sale... I was back and forth between Hardwired Charlotte and Black Ticket, and you know I, I hit it on both and getting on getting in on the Black Ticket right away. So I was like focused on the Hardwired Charlotte, got that, and by the time I went back to the Black Ticket stuff, it was it was gone. Wow. So after wow. that happened, um, then I basically just bought Unforgiven packages uh, for the shows I knew I was going to go to, and because uh, that gets early entry. Yeah, I was going to say remind us all what all comes with the Unforgiven package. Yep, so basically Unforgiven, you get early entry, you get the VIP poster, uh, you get a small gift. Um, this is, uh, again, uh, like the Vegas show, this was the bottle opener necklace uh, pin uh, set that they gave out. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's pretty much it. So you go in after the Whiplash people. So Whiplash, you get access to the museum and the buffet. Um, Whiplash is kind of split between people that got seats and... People who have GA, Unforgiven is all GA. But the way it works is they let Whiplash go in first. Uh, once they get their spots are on the rail, then Unforgiven goes. So you basically, especially with the black and the black tickets, go in with Unforgiven. So you've really got to be within like the first 30 people, I would say, of Unforgiven to have a shot at being truly on the rail. And we're going to find out more details later, but you did get the rail uh, I did. in Salt Lake. 
So yeah. let, let me ask you this, just because, you know, following your story and, you know, us being becoming friends this year and all that, is this the most sort of exciting or active year of Metallica fandom for you? I mean, were you doing this kind of stuff in the Death Magnetic, World Magnetic era? No, and, and a lot of it is just, you know, this is the first time I've kind of had the means to right. <laughs> to, right. to, to go in deep, you know? Yeah. And it was the same reason why I didn't, I never bought the, um, the Met Club uh, membership, you know, because I was... You know, back when I first got into the band in '99 with S and M, then uh, uh, you know I was in high school. I just didn't have the money to, to spend it. I'll spend it all on my race cars and stuff like that. And then you know through school and college, and you know just trying to get get settled out. And next thing you know, they go they go free with it. So um, I just never had the opportunity. It was it was it was never that high of a priority, I guess, for me. And it's not just Metallica; it was any band. I, yeah. I just I just was not in the paid fan club for any band are you now in the vince gill fan club i am not in the vince gill fan <laughs> club but that was an amazing show yeah I, I, i'm ribbing with uh chris but he's he's a you have like ties to country music and we you and i both share an affection for vince gill and yeah I was yeah kidding I, does vince gill even have a fan club i'm not even aware I, of it i don't know but i know i know some people that did get to meet him after the show oh, so cool. it's it, it is possible very cool do you have a sense of like uh you talk you mentioned like kind of going deep this year and uh do you have a sense of maybe like we might not get an opportunity like this again or at least for not another set of years is there a sense of urgency with you about really getting to have a lot of these experiences yeah, I think there's a little bit I mean you know we all know they're in their mid fifties uh I, I feel like they still have it um mm-hmm. but I think you know as they get older there's going to be songs that they just can't technically play anymore they can't they can't play to the level that they want to play at mm-hmm. and so they're going to be kind of stricken from from the possible set list so i'm trying to get in as much as i can you know if you look at the tour schedule and what they still have lined up i mean they're not going to be done with this stuff until you know beginning of 2020 at the earliest because right. they still got to hit up australia and japan yet and yep. possibly go back to south america so you know at earliest earliest that we could possibly see another album cycle would probably be 2022 beginning of 2023 so it's like all right try to get it in now plus with my work situation and being on a part-time team race team this year um i had more time available on weekends and such like that to go travel so i'm just trying to take advantage of the situation while i while i can it's going to take them to get into their 70s where they just physically can't play dyer's eve which they don't play that anyway or they physically can't play moth for them to finally start playing some goddamn load and reload songs <laughs> exactly. that aren't fuel and memory remains. I forget who it was, but somebody, somebody I talked to, um, Oh, it might've been, it might've been, Oh, maybe it was Stephanie from the creeping Carolina chapter. Cause she had a meet and greet in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody brought up Dyer's Eve to Lars and, and he was like, are you kidding me? Like there's no, there's just like no way. <laughs> 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 that's funny they'd have, to bring their, they'd have to bring their massage person on stage with them and like <laughs> they want a you know only a, a 12 song set list and maybe they could pull it out but. yeah i was about to say he's like you know what we can play Dar-Z, but it's the only song we're going to play that night and then we have to <laughs> exactly. go home exactly so tell us about we won't recap the whole vegas show but you got some sticks from lars at the vegas show no no it was this it was this okay show. that was all really Lake City. Have, yeah no um the only thing with vegas so the the pre party in Vegas was pretty intense with Damage Inc. and I I got connected up with Wade Summers and a buddy of mine from the Colorado chapter. And Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was pretty awesome. Um, I knew he was coming into town and I wanted to meet up with him and I met him at the big uh, the big photo that we took at the Bellagio Fountains the day before, um, which was pretty sweet. They did a, a special uh, uh, fountain show to ecstasy for for everybody that was there i don't know who had the connection with want with bellagio but um that was that was pretty cool was everyone then, there uh, part was everyone there kind of involved with the met club like on the online forum community yeah, and stuff yep yeah, they were either um they were either black ticket or forum or they you know word got around that that was happening so it was pretty much all people that are going to you know multiple shows and you know everyone that that whole kind of group is kind of we're all kind of connected, you know, whether it's through Facebook or the forums. Because not everyone, like even even Sarah Sobeck, like she's not hugely active on the forum, not nearly like I am. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, word kind of gets around, and gets connections, and you know, people just find out, and away it goes. 
That seems to be talking to a lot of folks, especially folks like like you that are kind of a little bit deeper into that world. That tends to take on its own life and tends to become almost as exciting, if not more exciting, than the actual show. I mean, how do you feel about all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, Vegas was interesting because it was the first time I like got to go to a show with friends. Like, I've been to a show with my stepdad before, but that's kind of a different vibe, and uh, it's only happened two times before, and one of them was in the seats, and so so just. This was the first time I got to go with friends who are like as passionate and as like into like completely rocking out and going nuts yeah. like I am. Yep. Um, so even at the pre-party show with Damage Inc., who was phenomenal, by the way. Um, You're talking about a tribute the, band called Damage Inc., right? Yeah, yeah, from Southern California. They played the entire Justice album from front to back, and that was only the first half of the show. Wow. Um, 28 songs they played. Uh, but between me and Wayne and my, and my buddy Matt from Colorado, uh, who's the head of the, the Colorado Met chapter, um like we were just going nuts during that show and it was one of the most insane energy releases energy sharing experiences i've ever had at a concert period um so that was pretty sweet um but i think there are so many people from all over the world at that vegas show um that everyone was somewhat resigned to the fact and with with the pre-party the night before that not very many people were going to make the sacrifice to get there extra early because you're gonna have to show up at the arena probably three or four hours earlier than normal to have a shot at rail for that show because the just how many people were there Mm -hmm. um so a lot of us just kind of resided resided that we were just gonna go back by the soundboard which was actually a pretty cool experience um because you had more room to move around you could go interact with different people you know um i was moving around to different people for sure during that show and getting a rock out and had a had a cool moment with Jim Brewer during Sad But True. Mm. So is he just um, hanging out in the crowd, just like a totally accessible when the band's playing? No, I was actually surprised because like normally when he's done with his set, he's done. But um, a little bit before Sad But True, that's when James does his whole, you know, older fans, younger younger fans point people out. There's a little bit of a longer break during that. Well, I saw him come out, but he had his hoodie on and he had his hood up, kind of like just kind of looking, you know, not, not conspicuous or anything. And, um, but he still had his guy that that's doing all his filming for him, for his, uh, for his Patreon stuff. Right. Following him. And then Sad But True kicked on and I saw another kid in a battle jacket who was rocking out with him, you know, singing along and headbanging and all that. And, uh, and then I went over there and there's maybe two or three other people and we had like this group going on and Jim is like going back and forth, you know, giving energy to different, different people, um, and, and filming it all. And then wow. when that got... When that song got done, he he uh, he left the floor. So he came back out for a little bit, and and that was it. So that's cool. And then obviously Vegas, I got to meet Ray Burton, which was cool. Yeah, Taylor was there. That yep. was cool. Ginger Lynn from from Turn the Page was there. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it was. Why, why, what is it about that show that kind of brought out a lot of uh, other celebrities? Or because I, I remember there was a buzz about that show even before the legs started. Like. Ooh, everyone's yeah. excited about Vegas. Like the crew was excited, the diehards are excited. Do you have any insight into what what is it just that town? I, mean, I think it's just the town, the vibe, you know, so much stuff to do, you know, Vegas is is world known, you know, as a as a destination. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of a just an adult playhouse party ground, you know, to go nuts at and uh, so and it's not too hard to get to from LA. Um I think other people live there. There's another comedian that was there. I can't think of his name, um, but I kind of recognized him. Um, I know some people that ran into Lloyd Grant in one of the casinos what? after the show. Yeah, so he's hanging. So, so I mean, there was there's just people from all over that were in for that show. Could you, I mean, like you know, I know you're a huge diehard. I'm a diehard. Whatever. Blah blah blah. I can't imagine recognizing Lloyd Grant. I mean, that's at a different level. <laughs> hey, excuse me, pardon me, sir. Are you Lloyd Grant? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. So he's hanging out and having a good time. Yep, yep. So there's just all kinds of people. Metallica is just so big. I, I was thinking about this with Ethan. We may have even mentioned on the show, but they're so huge that they've got to have A-list people probably at every show they play, the guest list would probably blow all of our minds. Like, there's probably one or two, one to five high-profile people at every show, don't you think? Yeah, probably, especially the bigger markets, you know, or when they're on the East Coast, you know. There may not be, I'm sure they get, like, 
you know, even talking about this show, you know, there might have been some of the some athletes. Well, the, well, I guess the Jazz, I think, was in Charlotte playing a game that night. But, okay. Um, you know, local sports teams, I'm sure, is probably maybe, maybe some of the biggest Was stuff. Corey Taylor, uh, it, from the pictures I saw, like he was kind of in a little VIP area or something? Or? He was he was behind the soundboard. The, 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 they have a rail that goes around where the soundboard's at. So okay. he was just chilling out back there. I know that they're out in L.A. making a record right now, so... You know that may explain why he probably drove in. Yeah. I mean, he's friends with all those dudes. So, yep, yep. Anything else remarkable about the Vegas pre-party or the Vegas show before we move into Salt Lake City? No, I was about that was a it was right, just cool. a, an intense show and it was really fun. Are you flying from Vegas to Salt Lake, or are you renting a car? What's your transportation no, vibe? I I flew all the way back to North Carolina. Oh shit. Um, so I came back as I had, uh, we had a test planned, um, up in Richmond with the, with the race team I'm on. So, uh, basically flew back and then had to drive four hours up to Richmond, uh, which was fine because, uh, I have, as you know, uh, I ordered a, a, found a dealer that had a pretty big collection of batch 81, uh, black and whiskey, mm-hmm. but they could not do New York law, could not ship to North Carolina, but they could to Virginia. But I have a buddy that lives in Richmond, so um, so it all kind of worked out real good that I could pick it up. It's just the and, year of Metallica uh, for you, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. On your day off from seeing all the shows, you're getting the you're getting the you know a crate of the whiskey. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, and then came back had another day at work, and then uh, it was uh, it was Friday morning day of show that that uh, six a.m. flight back out to uh, get to Salt Lake City. Cool. So what do you do when you get there? Do you have time to hang? Or you chill out? You resting in the hotel or what? No, I um, I knew I wanted to go for rail. Um, Thursday is when I thought of thought of the poster, the banner deal, um, right. which we'll get into. Right. So um, that I I made up uh, early on Thursday and got it printed through Walgreens, and so it was you know really quick to do. Um, so I had that with me. So I knew I wanted to get rail um, to try and get Lars's attention. So, uh, luckily for me, so one of the reasons I took, uh, Salt Lake city was one of the ones on my list is one of my other friends from the Colorado chapter, um, had a hardwired experience in Salt Lake city. So I wanted to meet up with him and, and hang out with him cause I hadn't seen him in over a year. So, um, his flight landed 30 minutes before mine. So he got his rental car and all that and waited for me and picked me up and basically drove me right to the arena and, uh, kept my stuff in his car. And I got right in line. So by eleven forty-five a.m., I was uh, I was in line. And what time did the doors open for your experience? Oh, I think it's around five fifteen-ish or something like that. Okay. Um, so, all right. Yeah. So, so put so for those of us who may never do that, put us in. <laughs> what's the PP situation? What's the lunch situation? <laughs> Were you the first one there, or was there already a line? No. No, there's a few people there. Uh, Sarah Sobeck was already there. Wow, um, oh, a couple black ticket. Oh yeah, a couple couple black ticket people. Um, one guy who was from Salt Lake who was he was actually P one in line. Um, it was his birthday as well, so he was all stoked. Very cool. Um, there's a few first timers there, so. Um, but no, I was probably about the fifteenth person there. I would say. And you're so you're feeling pretty good. Mission accomplished. You're probably going to get a rail slot, right? I yes, I, I was feeling pretty good at that point. Uh, later on, after checking something I did not account for, um, took place, but it, it still ended up okay. So, uh, but yeah, no, there was a hotel right across the street that was open to uh, people using their restroom. So, um, people would would go and people would hold spots. We were all kind of congregating, kind of like a we're not really in line just kind of in a big mess and then up front um you know a lot of black ticket people were coming in and um you know everybody just kind of catching up so yeah um it wasn't completely organized from that standpoint but um no i i had my hydration i had my food i I did all that beforehand before i even arrived so i knew once i got there like i was gonna have like the one bathroom break probably and I waited until like three thirty or so to go take care of that, and I knew I was going to be committed after that. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, and it was a little bit rainy, which kind of sucked. Originally, we oh, yeah. were under a doors that were undercover, which would have been nice, but then they moved us to another set of doors, so we uh, we got rained down a little bit. But uh, no, it was a really cool vibe. The time actually went by pretty quickly because everybody's you know talking and um, communicating and getting everybody's backstories and 
you know, especially the the people that the, the non black ticket people that are there, you know, they're meeting all the black ticket people or the people that are traveling to a lot of these shows and vice versa. So there's always some kind of fresh faces that are showing up. Hmm, that sounds really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very uh few of them I've been on Instagram. One of the guys there actually when I told him about my poster was like, That's a good idea. He messaged his girlfriend, he made up a poster on his phone. <laughs> uh, and got it sent to Walgreens, and she picked it up, and he uh, he was able to get rail, and uh, I think he got a stick too. I saw um, from Instagram. So, Imagine yeah, explaining I mean, that to someone in the seventies that that had to like painstakingly <laughs> draw their po- own posters. Did it look good? Yeah, what, what yeah, did his, yeah. What did his say? Um, it was basically trying to get a pick for his son, whose name was Cliff. They spelled his name with a K though instead of a C, okay. but they they named him after after Cliff. Wow. Um, it was like pick or stick for Cliff. Uh, we beg of you or something like that. It had picture of their of their kid who was. I don't think that. Well, uh, the picture they used, I think it was a toddler or something. I think he's probably two or three years old right now. That's cool. Um, they, uh, they showed a video of the kid on Instagram with largest stick, and he's just like banging pillows back and forth. Oh, cool. Um, so he did get a sweet. stick. Yep, yep. All right. So, uh, but yeah, uh, a couple times uh, before they open the doors, Matt from CID comes out, gets the black ticket people checked in, because they don't have an actual ticket when they right. show up. Right. Um, so he's got to give them their ticket for the security to scan in. And uh, so they're getting checked in. A couple of the Unforgiven, they kind of got pre-checked in. Um, but we still had to get our bands. So all they did is come in and, and stamp our hand and get us checked in electronically. But we still had to get our wristband and get our gift bag. So what I didn't account for is that basically jumped some black ticket people that were behind me, in front of me, because they didn't have to go through that. So I lost out like on three, four minutes there just having to go through all that Wow! Yeah. before getting in queue. So I was when it came time to actually go on to the floor, I was probably closer to about the 30th person. So you were kind of so, cut, cutting it close. I was cutting it close. I was a little bit, a little bit nervous. Um, but one thing that happened right before we got left in, one one security guy came in, and a few people have poster tubes with them, um, either for the VIP poster to protect it. But the other thing people have figured out is they kind of got a long poster tube and they put sticky tape on the on one side of it, and they use it for getting uh, picks when the picks fall on the floor. <laughs> they use it to grab the picks, and so they can get a bunch of picks that way. Oh boy! Yeah. So, but the security guy came in and was like. Uh, we're not going to allow the poster tubes at all. And so that got some people upset. A few people had to, had to uh, stash theirs away. Um, I think a few people still were able to get theirs in. But then he came back in, too, and was like, once, once these banners about, because a lot of people, you know, they got chapter flags, they got flags from their countries, that everybody hangs around the rail, you know, and obviously yep. I had my poster. Yep. And then he radioed that in and then came back out. I was like, well, we're not going to allow those as well. Hmm. And that, people started getting really upset over that. So... When that happened, I kind of pulled mine out and I kind of folded it in in quarters um, just to make it a little less conspicuous. And I was able to get it in and then I re-rolled it up and stuck it inside my VIP poster. Well, so that was like local security that were giving you guys a hard time? Did someone from like the Metallica's camp end up giving it the okay or someone No, I don't think so. I think we just got it in. By the time we got to the rail, it was fine. I was checking with Sarah and... uh, Seeing if other people got their flags out and stuff, and she she told me eventually the uh, the Swedish delegation. There's three guys from Sweden that, that are going to old shows. Um, they had their flag out. And nobody was giving them a hard time. So I was like, okay, well, once once ecstasy hits, I'll I'll pull out the I'll pull out the poster and and kind of go from there. So cool. nice. Yep. Uh, let's talk about a little bit. So you've seen Brewer open up several times now. Give us yep. give us your most recent takeaways from the Jim yeah. Brewer thing. You know, this one, the I felt like his, his stand-up set was a little bit stronger on this one um, compared to Vegas. It was very similar, but there's a few tidbits he threw in that I thought it was just a, it flowed a little bit better than what Vegas did. Right. But while I was just a little bit disappointed in is I think he came on stage a little bit later. So, like, they did not do the games. They, um, they didn't do any backstage filming. I don't know if they were just behind on time. I felt like there was... You know, instead of maybe two songs between every gym set, uh, there was three or four songs. So th- there just wasn't as much going on. Right. Um, so that he pretty much had his opening deal. They brought Joseph went up in the nosebleeds and brought some people down. They did the sing along, and I mean that was pretty much it. It was it wasn't a whole lot. So I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Where there was normally two more at least two more segments that they normally do with Jim that that we didn't 
get for whatever reason. And I heard in Boise that they were a bit behind too on their timing and all that. So, um, are you doing a thing now that you've seen multiple shows? Are you doing a thing where you sort of are able to separate and imagine what it must be like for most of the people in the arena who that's really their first time, their first and maybe last experience with it? Are you able sure. to, are you able to kind of gauge the response? I mean, are people generally digging it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I saw people laughing and all that. In fact, I mean, people on either side of me, it was uh, on the rail. Um, it was actually their first Metallica concerts. Um, wow. So they, they bought Whiplash. Um, I think it kind of, some people may, may complain about that. It's like, why are these noobs getting on the rail? But to me, I think it's kind of cool and shows the power of the band that somebody is willing to make that kind of investment to get on the rail, to have that experience, to go all out well, to see them totally. for their first show. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing too for them, where you know you don't want it to just be the the, the insiders only boys club. You don't want it to be all that, right? Like you want exactly freshness in there. You want people like that, like you just said, to have that kind of experience. I mean, the story, yep. their story now forever will be my first Metallica show was on the fucking rail, dude. Exactly. Yep. You know. Yep. That's cool. What's really cool too is now that I got that that picture that that he posts on Instagram is like. I got all their face, you know, it's like, it's, it's going to be even that much more etched, you know, talking with all those people beforehand and all that. So is it, so you're holding that banner for the whole show. Is that correct? <laughs> I am. So yes. you can't really, that's going to, I got one hand. I basically got one hand on the banner and then I got, uh, I got one hand free that I can do the devil horns and do one, <laughs> you know, fist pump and everything else. So yeah. So that's a commitment. For sure. Yeah. For sure. All right. So it, when the boys come out for the first time, XC of Gold, we under, know that hardwired tape. Who are yep. you? Who's who are you closest to in proximity where you're at on the rail? Yeah. So when when we came down, um, you know, I knew the, the first thing I do as we're coming down the stairs. So it's not like we came out of a tunnel. We actually came out of one of the upper level stairwells and had to go down the stairs onto the floor. So the first thing I do is I look at what the orientation of the drum kit is because that tells me where Lars's side is. So I see where that's at. It's kind of on the far side. So as I'm walking around, I notice right at his spot, um, it was getting pretty fill up, full up. Um, I was like, man, like I would have to walk all the way around the, the entrance where they come out to get over there. And I thought by the time I walked over there, you know, everyone's kind of doing their Oprah power walk type of thing. Cause you're not allowed to run. But <laughs> um, I was like, by the time I get over there, I- I'm going to miss out. Well, I saw a spot that was like right on the corner, basically at the edge of the stage, but right where their in- kind of entrance tunnel comes out mm-hmm. and comes into the main realm right on that corner. There was a spot. So I quickly jumped right up in there and, uh, and held it. So that's where I was at. Um, cool. What was different about this one than Charlotte? I think one of the guitars for uh, maybe Kirk wasn't quite ready and all that. So Kirk didn't swing all the way around to his area right away. A lot of them kind of hung out right at the entrance to the stage right there where Lars normally comes on and off. And um, they did that. So one thing that was kind of cool is James's whole family was there. Oh, cool. Uh, Francesca was there. Caster's daughters, they were all there. Um Caster actually like worked one of the the lights lighting the floor when James came out, like one of the security guards um, came out with him. So um, they all kind of were. How did they seem? Were they were they singing along? Were they rocking out? Did they look pride? Did they look proud? What, what was their? Vibe? I don't know. If they didn't. They didn't hang out there. So Francesca actually came out for part of Jim's set. Um, they were all hanging out in Lars's tech area. Um, okay. And they seemed to be enjoying themselves. And then they kind of went back. You mean with James then, too? James and Francesca. No, 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 okay. no. Just, just, just her. Um, and I, I'm assuming some of her family. Um, there's one guy who kind of looked like James. I'm assuming those maybe his brother was there too. Okay. Um. So. Yeah, they just they just kind of were hanging out there a little bit during Jim's set. Um, and Jim referenced referenced a, a story he had with them from back in the '90s or something. Um, and then they went back, um, back behind stage. So I'm assuming they probably had some sort of. VIP place or something to watch the show from okay, um, cool. elsewhere. But, but his, uh, his kid came out with him when, when the four guys came out during ecstasy, um, caster came out with pulled on the flashlight, like, like one of the security guards, like light in the way. Oh, that's fun. Um, and then after that, he, he, uh, went back backstage. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they, none of them were out on the floor 
during the show itself. Right. I'm sure that's fun for James, you know, he's as he's over the years transitioned into being a pretty serious family dude. I know for me, when my wife and daughter, at, at when I'm working, there's nothing better than that for me. So yeah. that's cool. Um, all right, so walk us through the set a little bit. Yeah, um, so, you know, the standard one-two punch, hardwired and Atlas. Um, crowd was rocking it. Everybody seemed into it. Even the the new people that were around me, mm-hmm. seemed like they, they knew the songs pretty well. Cool. Um, there was one guy, two, uh, two guys down from me that was headbanging pretty hard. So, um, yeah, it was just really good, really good crowd energy, which is, a bit, I didn't know how Salt Lake was going to be with that, so. Um, really loud, really into it. Was it a dry show? Uh, no, no, okay. it was not. Okay, cool. I know the Mormon. You know, you never know in the in the Mormon yep. city what's going down. <laughs> I mean, I've had a lot of yeah. I've had a lot of real wild nights in Salt Lake, but I didn't know what it's like on that kind of corporate arena level. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, if, if anything pokes out to you, if so, something funny that happened with the boys, or if someone yep. had a flub, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, then they go into seek. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first time the the cubes drop, so it's one of my favorite deals because I know it's coming. But most of the stadium, they're not crazy like I am and follow every show. So. Is there sort of like an audible gasp or anything? Can you kind of yes. feel? Yeah, yeah, you can hear it. You can yeah. you can actually through the music, like you can hear it the first time that 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 drops. You oh, know? That's fun. And uh, you can just see, you know, you can just see people pulling out the phones and everything, trying to take pictures because they just it just wasn't expected, right? Uh, so that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, Seek is, you know, the people that did not did not know Hardwired and Atlas, they know Seek. So the the whole arena is at at full froth at that point. It's it's mm-hmm. as loud as it's going to be. Right. Yeah. The next song, I mean, I will say for kind of as static as the setlists have been, Through the Never is pretty exciting. That's exciting to see that. Yep. Well, before we get to there, I had my first Lars act interaction oh, after right. Seek. Let's hear it. So. So yeah, um, so I had that poster basically. You know, I just said Lars. I won dinner with Torben, <laughs> uh, and then I had the hashtag uh, all within my hands, and then I had you know community hunger colon hashtag delete that you know because it's what they're you know a lot of their donations have been going to food banks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I first pulled it out, uh, it might have been uh, I don't know if it was during ecstasy or it might have been a little bit. Uh, um, a little bit before that, but anyways, they uh, a couple of the Metallica crew saw the poster um, and came over. Was like, "Are you the guy that won that?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I was like, "That's cool." So when uh, after Seek is the one of the first times Lars um, kind of comes off stage. Well, he got to the top of the stairs and he kind of looked, did a double take, and then I kind of held it up a little bit more so you could you could see it better, right? Um, because one of the pyro guys is like right in front of me, and he like gave me one of these like really. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he he laughed and then went down the stairs and kind of went into his little cubby hole that he goes into when he comes off stage. Um, so that was the first Lars interaction of, of many that happened throughout the night. So I was like, at that point, I was like, all right, cool. Lars saw it. Like, it's going to be, that was my goal. Like, at minimum, that was my goal. Right. So you probably thought there's probably more to come. I was hoping for. I mean, I, I, you know, knowing some of the Instagram pictures that that he puts up and stuff like that, I was like, all right, even if I don't get a stick out of this, like, I, I felt like it was at least Instagram worthy. Um, so, anyways, when I got that first interaction, I was like, okay, we, we're uh, we're at least up the plate here. <laughs> you know, he he knows he knows I'm here early on in the set. You know, so he's so he goes into his cubby out in between Seek and through the Never. What's he doing down there? Grabbing a grabbing some water or something? I don't know. They got so net between his tech and the stairs that go up. There's like a almost like a cubby hole where it's all um, they got drapes around it and all that, so you can't see what's going on in there. At first, I thought like it was this like the the, the potty area for the boys if they need to go take a leak or something but he goes in there a lot so um yeah I, and there's another person uh, another woman that goes in there with him too um so i don't know if he's getting worked on a bit massaged a bit that makes sense you know oxygen maybe a bit like they, you know they, they, he might be just they might have some tools in there for him to like yeah, recover quickly and recoup and all. So that. what's going on on the stage? So he's down there, maybe yeah, getting some of the knots out yep. or whatever. 
Is James yep. saying anything before Through the Never? Um. Uh, oh wait, you know I take that back. I think this happened after Atlas, and it was before Seek because James okay. does his his speech deal. Um, about uh, he he's got a small speech deal that he does there, okay, right? Gotcha. Um, before Seek that yes. he normally does. Uh, but Through the Never, um, he starts off with that. You know, I saw that in Charlotte. So when he started doing that that riff, um, kind of playing with everybody, it's, it's kind of like he's like practicing it or something, right? Yep, yep, a real kind of like drawn out, just, yeah. you know, hits a few notes type of thing. So I knew it was coming. Um, so, and, and then I, as soon as that kicks in, you know, it place goes nuts. It's one of my favorites. Did people seem to know that song? I thought so, yeah. Um, especially chorus. Like, you could you could hear everyone pretty well, pretty loud. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Yep. So. Moving, and then we got the first ballad of the night, Sanitarium. Yep, yep, which is awesome. Uh, Greeny comes out, which is which is awesome. I love seeing seeing Greeny Greeny coming out. So, um, yeah, uh, the the same. You know, the the people, the the cubes just have you know look like they got people locked in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so really cool effect. Um, yeah, uh, really good. Love that. Mm-hmm. Kills as always. Yep. Is that the only song he plays the Greeny on? No, he, uh, let me think here. He normally does it. Maybe Fade to Black, he'll use fade, it. He, fade, he uses it. Unforgiven, he uses it. Um, there's one other song later on. I can't remember which one that he used it on. For those of you who um, maybe don't know what that is, the Greenie is a, is a 1958, I believe, Les Paul, that was owned by Peter Green, purportedly worth uh, $2 million. Yep, it's like a true collector's guitar. Most people who who deal in that kind of level of guitar collecting, they're sure as hell not playing those guitars. So it's really interesting that Kirk is actually performing with this guitar. I think it's cool personally. Yep. What's what's the point in having a great guitar like that that you're not going to play? Exactly, and thankfully he does not play it during bells, so we don't have to worry about him tripping and falling. Yeah, when he's side. doing his augmented crab Kirk walk, <laughs> uh, we can't have dude. That was, someone posted that video the other day of him when he fell. It's just, it's just it's so cringy. amazing. You just cringe. It's just like ah. It's like a gift though. This keeps giving. <laughs> yes, he adds that extra roll in there. It's just yep. <laughs> it's just really amazing. All right, so on to now that we're dead with the drum stuff. We've all talked about that a lot. Any any new revelations yep. on the drums? Not, not really. Uh, it was the same as, as what they've been doing on the arenas. Um, I think the people that haven't seen them before or kind of new to it enjoy it, um, and then the other half of people are like, "Yeah, okay," you know. But I think most of us still like, "Hey, if it's something new and creative that you know they're having fun with, then so be it." You know, that's that's kind of the point. Speaking of so be it, creeping death next, and that's one of the rotating slots, right? Did you did you get that yep. in Charlotte? I don't remember. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think we did. Um, but I think it was later in the set. I think it was, um, later on, like the thirteenth. Uh, no, sorry, it'd been the the tenth slot or the ninth. Yeah, slot? tenth. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, maybe ninth slot. So, okay. yeah, creeping death comes in. So that gets again, it gets everybody again. It, it's a great spot for creeping death because it gets every it gets the energy back up in the crowd immediately when that kicks in. Yeah, it's pretty smart to put a Stone Cold classic after the big drum thing, kind of. And, you know, that's just part of that show flow. That's part of touring for 35 years is kind of learning where you can be a little brave, be a little experimental, learning how to give everybody back in if you maybe lost somebody during that section. Yep. That's good planning. Yep. Uh, the die chant was as powerful as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one one thing like you can you can pick out the hallmark of a crowd is how quickly that die chant comes in. Mm. And it was probably by the second die, like it was already like it was it was full volume. You know, it didn't it didn't take to the third or fourth one to get everybody into it. It was pretty much everybody had it on cue. Are we getting a lot of the classic James and the also Jason did a lot in this era of the getting the crowd saying hey just in different moments in songs? Is that still a thing in twenty eighteen Metallica touring? Um, you know the hey yes, thing that yeah. they do. Yes and no. I think some people some people do it, and some of them some of those classic spots. But but is James kind of getting the crowd excited, or is Rob doing it a little bit of that? Yeah. So so definitely. So after after death, they go into bells, mm-hmm. and so Rob gets you know he starts off slow and starts kind of building up the pace, 
to that to get to the tempo mm-hmm. of Bells. Mm-hmm. Um, Lars, which I guess he's been doing every show, has been doing the towel whip thing, like I talked about for the Charlotte show. <laughs> You're right. Or for, yeah, uh, he did it at Madison. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, after, after Creeping Death, Rob kind of gets the crowd doing the, hey, hey, mm-hmm. hey, hey. You know, and it's, it starts building tempo until Lars hits those first few drum beats for, for Bells. I'll take Bells at every show I ever see, personally. Yep. It's because it's short, too. It's kind of short and sweet. No problem. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So that was really good. Um, and it was after Bells, I think, is when I had my second Lars interaction when he jumped up and he came to our side of the stage and pointed at me. as like, really? Are you sure? Really? Did you, re-? like, like almost, like, question a bit? And I was like, yes, yes, I did. Um, be quite the elaborate lie. <laughs> it would be yes. It's okay, not, you got it's probably me. Probably not something they typically do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not having lunch with or dinner with your dad. Sorry, you got me. Yep. Well, that's so, cool. so he probably he probably is talking to his people like we really want to make sure it's legit before we want to get a picture or whatever. Well, yeah, there was there's another interaction yet uh, between that and the picture deal later on before sad but true. So, okay. um, so yeah, I mean, I guess there was like four or five interactions with Lars throughout the entire show. Um, and is he that having that kind of vibe with pretty much every anyone on the rail? Is he making the rounds on the, every side? He does, but people I talked to, like they noticed, like he was coming over to me like a lot. Like it was normally he'll go off to different spots, but he kept coming over by me a couple times. So There's a few people that picked it out that like it was. Okay. It was a little bit, little bit different. Um, but he did, he did try, you know, hitting up everywhere that he did. That's that cool. He normally does. Yeah. So it seems like maybe a general consensus, both in the stadiums and the arena tour, is that Halo and Fire is PP break time. I love Halo, and I think, man, I feel like a lot of people got into Halo. Okay, cool. Um, I wonder too if your perspective is just different because you're you're on the rail with diehards rather than being out in the seats, you know. Yeah, I think for sure the energy is way different between that. But even the people around me, even those, there was enough older people that didn't even know like the singing parts you know to the the outro and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. you know like it got everybody into that and doing that you know um are you a down 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 are you a d yeah. guy or wh- how are you doing the the outro to halo whoa, whoa oh the o's whoa. Yeah. yeah 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 yep oh that makes sense that's very james-ish yep so I mean, James was singing it, but he wasn't he wasn't singing it into the mic. Yeah, he's off. Uh, mic, which yeah. some some shows he's been he did it into the mic, trying to get the crowd doing it. Mm-hmm. This show he didn't have to. He he just did it, and I think there's enough people that were doing it that cool. he kind of picked up on it a bit. So I think that's kind of building a little bit again. That that European thing is is starting to make its way over the states. If more we and more. if we lose Halo after the cycle, the hardwired cycle, I think I'd be a little bummed. I, I love that song too, dude. I lo- oh, absolutely it's love great. that song. And I, I just I I live for the end of that song. Yeah, too. totally. It's, just, it's so good. You just can't screw with it. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I think Kirk's been playing that part live better than the record, personally. Yeah. Uh, during the shows, I think it's more exciting. The, yeah. the the videos I've seen, and I saw it twice on the stadium. And so, of course, we get the doodles here, and I'm seeing White Wedding and Disposable yes. Heroes. That's fun. Yep. Yep. And. uh it was kind of ironic because prior to the show, I was talking to security and um, I was chatting about how at Carolina Rebellion, I basically cracked a rib, broke a rib uh, of, of all people during Billy Idol mm. <laughs> from people who uh, will we'll say are beyond their, uh, their their crowd surfing years that were trying to crowd surf and I had one of them land on me. Oh, shit. And then, and then, sure enough, the, the doodle ends up being Billy Idol, you know? <laughs> what a nice way to say that. Maybe some people who are um, perhaps beyond their crowd-surfing years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's some good bedside manner, dude. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Um, I, I would say beyond the uh, the normal threshold from a, from a weight perspective, you know, it's well, just like... What's the connection with Billy Idol, who's British, in Salt Lake? It was his birthday yesterday. Oh, okay. Right on, right on. Or two days ago, yeah. It was his birthday, so yeah. They they did they did white wedding so that was awesome. I felt it was one of the better ones. I don't know if it was because the key and everything it was in, but mm-hmm. but Rob's singing of it I think was better okay. um, than some of the other doodles. I like to hear that. And I think because the bass and the guitar, I think everybody picked up on what it was like right away. Yeah. And it it's you know some of the doodles, 
it's a little bit hard to tell what song it is or you know because you're missing the other elements of the song but but that song you could pick up on it and and jam around with it and it was it was great cool right on yep uh whiplash that now that's probably my either that or hit the lights for the kill them all slot they pretty much completely abandoned that slot as a cover slot right that's that hasn't happened in in a couple months so Yep. So Rob goes. Rob goes into um, anesthesia. He does anesthesia there, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then they go into that kill them all slot. So yeah, Whiplash was was really good. That was a. Uh, I was happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a few people that that knew the uh, the the Dick Rash reference around me, so that was fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, in the old days when James used to say, uh, yeah. Di- you know, um, Dick Rash, yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, really good. Uh, really enjoyed that. The boys looking good. They looking rested. They look how how. What's their morale vibe that, that you can detect? Yeah, it seemed like uh, it seemed like they're still going okay. You know, again, there's there's moments. Every show's got got a moment here or there where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know they got a little off or. Mm-hmm. You know, got a little out of sync, but they they typically can pull it back in pretty quick. Um, so yeah, I, I felt like the energy was good all all night. And again, I think it's as, when the crowd's up and going, and there's a really good crowd energy, which I felt like there there was at this show. Um, it, it you know reflects to them as well. I like hearing that Salt Lake City had a good vibe. I mean, I love it there, um, but it's not a city you think about much when you think about like if you're looking at an itinerary. You're looking yeah. at L.A., Vegas, Madison Square Garden. You know the the things we all get, but it's cool that Salt Lake City brought a lot of energy to the show. I like that. Yep, yep. And I think it's just because it's been you know ten years or whatever since they played there last. You know, so everybody everybody totally. was really hyped up to see them. I think this much of this arena tour it feels that way. I know it's that way with Nashville. You know, it's been ten years, so yep, everyone yep. that's going to be a crazy show. All right, so then we got the kind of it's not even a, a reload slot; it's just the fuel memory remains slot. Yep, yep. <laughs> so we got fuel. Yeah, um, kills as always. Yep. First time we get pyro during the show. Um, actually, after the song, Lars comes in like to the pyro guy in his face, like, "Is that all you got? Is that all you got?" Wow. You know, um, like, like just you know, messing around with them. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of funny to see that because I haven't picked up on that before. Um, you know what I'm just realizing looking at the set list here? How brilliant both Fuel and Memory Remains are going into Moth. Because Fuel, yeah. you got all the allusions to fire and shit, Moth yep. into Flame. Memory Remains, a song about a, 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 a kind of washed up diva who let fame consume uh-huh. her, which yep. is what Moth into Flame is about. Exactly. Yep. <sighs> it's hard being a genius. It's hard being a, analyzing things on a genius level. It's mostly a burden. Uh, so, Moth, we got the drones. I'm sure you get to hear the, yep. the audible gasp that we mentioned before from the, yep, from the same cubes. Thing. Yep. Uh, I still haven't seen them yet. I can't wait. I absolutely can't yeah. wait. I love them. I love them in person. I feel like it's, they're, they're so much better in person. Uh, I saw Kirk try to hit one with his guitar. But you know what? I read that. I thought I read something about James, too. Were they both? Were they just having fun, or were they really getting in the way? Uh, no, I think they do it for fun because okay. Kirk was laughing. So okay. I, I didn't see James go after one, but I think it's the second time that they, they have uh, liftoff because they go in cycles, you know, because of battery life. Right. Um, so they they kind of have like three different kind of sets of drones that go up. Um, so I think it was the second the second set of those. I saw Kirk try to take a swipe at one and he missed. So and he was <laughs> laughing. So yeah, I think I think they try and get one or two every show. <laughs> you know that whoever the production guy is who like is in charge of that's like you bastard. Those are a hundred thousand dollars a piece or whatever. <laughs> yep, yep. So yeah, no, love the drones. Um, good song as always. And is James playing the Carl guitar for that, or does he do that on puppets? He does for puppets. I think he's got Carl for Moth as well. Okay, cool. I think he still is using Carl for, for that. For those of yeah. you who don't know, Carl is the guitar made from the Carlson Avenue uh, garage that they wrote puppets and lightning in. It's this really cool Ken Lawrence thing. If you don't know what it is, go look up James Hetfield Carl guitar. All right, so you mentioned that you had another interaction before Sad. So there's a this is you know probably their they got a little bit of a larger break. Um, this has been James. This is whole old people in the crowd, mm-hmm. younger people in the crowd. Find some kids, interacts with the kids. So it's it's a, a longer break as far as in between song breaks go. 
So Lars comes back over and points at me. He's like, where are you from? I say North Carolina. Um, but he couldn't hear me very well. So mm-hmm. he comes downstage and comes right to me at the rail. And says, where are you from? Charlotte. And I was like, hey, you know, I had hardwired in Charlotte. And he took another look at me. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember. Um, and then I actually had a queued up on my phone where I actually pulled out my phone. And, like, I showed him the damn receipt <laughs> for wow. the for the thing. And he was like, that is really cool. Um, asked me my name again. Um, you know, told him Chris. And then uh, he went to go back upstage. But as he was walking upstage, uh, he pointed at the photographer and was like, I want a picture of that mm-hmm. um, with the poster. Cool. So at that point, I knew I was I was in like Flint, like like boom, like this is it's going to happen. Well, you know? know, he's thinking like I can't wait to send my dad this picture. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Torben's first good look at you too. So Torben's like, all right, he doesn't look like a psycho. He looks like a nice guy. <laughs> I'm going to be having Indian food with a nice gentleman. Well, I gave I gave a a quasi war face in that picture, so <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll see. <laughs> Um, so they play sad. I'm sure everyone yep. pooped in their pants, as I imagine. Big crowd favorite. Yep. yep. For sure. Well, yeah, the next three are just monsters. One yep. and puppets. I mean, anything remarkable about those? Yeah, you can't, you can't screw with that. Sad to one to, to puppets. So, I, I, you know, this indoor thing, I, I still wish that there was pyro for one. Yeah. Uh, for the intro. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not. Uh, they do have a couple audio things. But being on the rail... Um, the one videos are only playing on the outside of the cubes. Mm-hmm. So you can't, if you're on the rail, you can't even see the video uh, for the one intro. Yeah, so. it's not a lot, but you do sacrifice some stuff to be to have that closeness. Yep. And yep. That's just, there's yep. just no doubt about it. For sure. So, but no, really good. Um, you know, I know the last one, uh, Metal Tales, like I said, one was a little a little off, he thought. Um, I might have had a little vibe at one point with that, or they got a little off sync, but they, they pulled it right back in. At what point in the song? Uh, like the kind of clean, delicate, in-between verses stuff? Or the or the kind of thrashy ending stuff? No, I think it was towards the thrashy ending stuff, okay. where they just got a little bit off for a couple beats, and then and then yeah. they got they got back on, got back on it. So Well, I think even people who don't play instruments i think they have a sense of how challenging that song is to play so it's probably a lot of probably a lot of grace for the boys on that and, and I, I bet most of the crowd probably didn't even tell or well or and then of course there's that even too. phase them you know yep <laughs> yeah you know just people have seen them so much or whenever they just we you know you just pick out little things here and there you know but it's cool it's it it shows that they're human um, and that music is very human, you know. It's not this machine, the helmet thing. So, well, with the set list, I don't mind it. No, I agree. I, and I think with the set list being kind of the way there is, I mean, they have a lot of rotating slots. It's a lot of fun, but it's almost those little imperfections are what make shows poke out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yep. See, I remember seeing James forget some of the lyrics to um, "Blackened" in Detroit, and I, I kind of thought it was cool. You know, like yeah. It definitely confirms that they're doing it live, <laughs> which I like. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. So encore time. Now this isn't yep. when they do the. They, they gets the picture after the show. I'm guessing, right? Or when? Yep. 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 It's okay. a, it's after. So we go into fight fire. Which that's kind um, of a treat too, man. I mean, I I want to see spit pretty bad, but fight fire. Holy shit. Yep. I knew. I knew we're either going to get. I thought it was going to be battery or blackened. Hmm there um because they played spit in boise and vegas so but then they came out with fight fire so i was pretty stoked with that you know good pyro for that um again after that one lars came back to the pyro guys like that's what i'm talking about that's what i want you know <laughs> um that's funny so yeah yeah um so it was it was kind of you know just his little interactions like that with them screwing around with the pyro guy was was kind of cool was the pyro guy um, laughing no, <laughs> he's like yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemed like a pretty, uh, pretty straight laced dude the whole time. You could just tell just, just the way he was all set up and the way he conducted stuff. He, you know, you could tell he was just a very, which I guess as a pyro guy, you're probably trained to be as very meticulous, very oh, absolutely focused and and paying attention type of thing. There's not, you know, you're dealing with some pretty dangerous stuff, so you don't, you can't be, you know, any blase fair casual with your attitude or what you're doing, you know, yeah, because it's a, right. it's a pretty dangerous thing. Even if your boss is joking with you, it's still, you still got to keep, keep that business face. 
Exactly. Yep. 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 Now, does Kirk? Kirk does the intro to Nothing Else Matters, right? Is anyone else on stage, or is he? Is it? It's a little bit of a Kirk moment. Uh, small Kirk moment. So Kirk has a small little solo part that he does that leads into nothing. Right. Um, it's it's really short. It's not really that long. It's it's maybe thirty seconds or so, um, and it just it just him leads into nothing. Cool. Yep. And then we get the kind of the two staple lenders, uh, crowd pleasers. We've all heard them a million times, but I'm okay with them. Yep. No, why? I think it's one of those things. Like it's easy to, you know, Monday morning quarterback and be like, ah, you know, they keep doing, you know, nothing in Sandman. But but when you're there live and it's in the moment and all that, you know, it's it's so good. Yes, yeah, I'm with the you. whole crowds. You know, especially Sandman. You know, everybody's into it. You know, you just can't. You can't deny the crowd energy that's brought out during Sandman. Right. You know, whether whether you enjoy the song or not, just the crowd energy alone, I think, just makes it that cool, that much cooler, you know? And then they do their goodbyes and all that stuff. Yeah, so right after Sandman, Lars comes down, he comes to the rail, the photographers, they're ready to go. So he takes the picture with me, his PR guy's there too, so his PR guy's taking pictures with, with his phone. Um, and then the Metallica photographer, one of, one of the two Metallica photographers is there as well. Um, I think it was Matt that was doing it. Um, From the forum? No, no, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) it might be, actually it might be. Uh, I know that those Dan or Matt, they do, uh, some of the video content. Yeah. Yeah. It might've been. Yeah. Yeah. It might be Matt. Cause I think, I think the camera he had, had a big mic, had a, big microphone on it as well too for picking up audio okay so i think he was flipping back and forth you know and lars um, and so lars came right directly to you first came directly directed to me first we did the picture really quick um they took a few pictures and then he went uh as he went back up on stage his tech handed him a bunch of the guitar sticks for him to start handing out okay so he kind of started doing that a little bit away from me and he kind of worked his way around, and I saw him, like, run out of sticks. He actually went down to the rail a couple uh, on the far end from me, kind of by where Sarah and Pacella and some of that group was, mm-hmm. and gave a stick out over there. Um, so that was kind of cool. But then I was like, oh, crap, he's out of sticks. I'm not going to get one. And then he, when he came back up on stage, there was two more that were on his kit that he picked up. And then he walked over and gave one to me of course i dropped it when he threw it and one of the security guys picked it up and he pointed at me to you know to get it to me and um so i got a stick so i was thrilled with that are and people kind of uh, reaching over you trying to grab it or does everyone kind of get it everyone cool uh there was a few people yeah i mean it, it wasn't completely my fault that i that i missed it you know it kind of got knocked knocked down a bit but that, i mean it just went lars makes sure that the person he wants to get it to gets it. Yeah, cool. You know, I think I think some people because even the last stick he had, I mean, there was probably ten people that were out reaching for it and all that. Yeah, and he was like, "Nope, not you, not you." Him, you know, and then people are like, "Okay," and then it's okay. Well, it's cool that he's like really intentional about it, and he he, it's kind of it's classy that he, he, you know, he could just sort of throw it into the chaos and be like, "Well, let him figure it out," but. And there's a few times he does that. Yeah, you know, sure. Uh, there's there's he you know he still does that, but I think he. Throughout the show, he, he figures out people that either had the energy or, you know, a few people that had signs or whatnot that caught his interest or flags or whatnot from different countries. It's like a little reward. Exactly. For yep. good behaviors. Yep. So I, I couldn't have been happier. You know, you go into these shows and you might have a plan, you know, and 99.9% of the time, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. And, and like, everything happened perfectly. I, I just couldn't believe it, you know, after the show that everything I kind of planned out like worked and happened and um, was just completely amazing. And it kind of took the pressure off, you know, and now for sure, you know, I, I was already kind of planning doing the soundboard thing for Nashville, but like Raleigh, I don't have any pressure anymore to get rail. Cool. You know, cause yeah. everything I wanted to accomplish, I accomplished. And um, yeah, you know, it was just, just a really cool, unique show. So what's next for you in terms of the, the tour, the rest of the tour, what else are you going to see? Uh, Nashville. Uh, mm-hmm. Nashville's going to be the next one, and then uh, Raleigh after that, and then next summer I hope to either get to uh, Zurich or Munich. I got tickets for both, hoping to get to get to one of them. So wow, cool. Yep. And we'll see you at the pre-party, right? Absolutely. And there's going to be a lot of people at that pre. I mean, 
a lot of people I'm talking to and uh, at the shows, a lot of black ticket people. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that are planning on coming to that awesome. that pre-party. So, yeah. Well, we obviously can't wait. And, <clears throat> you know, we appreciate you taking the time to tell us about the show. Super last minute. and Yeah. Uh, thoughtful dude and a generous dude. Uh, the kind of Metallica fan that makes us all proud to be fans. So we appreciate that, dude. Oh, it's 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 just all again. It's all part of the Metallica family. It's you know, totally. We all kind of look out for each other and like to give back and you know help uh, help everyone have uh, really cool experiences. So, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was Metal Tales from the Road, Salt Lake City. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. Sign out. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Metal Up Your Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.